Welcome to Charting the Course, a podcast from Full Sail Capital, dedicated to providing you with insights, assurance, and confidence to grow and manage generational wealth. Full Sail Capital is a fiduciary registered investment advisor managing more than $1.5 billion with a focus on integrity, competency, and transparency. Today, we have another outstanding At The Helm episode featuring Lauren Mingi, founder and CEO of Quintessa Marketing. Lauren founded Quintessa back in 2016, bringing her expertise in, in both marketing and volume lead generation to the world of personal injury law firms. Today, Quintessa delivers a comprehensive suite of marketing services for client acquisition to attorneys and law firms across the country. As you'll hear from our conversation, her faith and family are at the core of who she is. And along with the CEO title, she's a volunteer, she's a mentor, and a longtime advocate for women. Scott Cravens and I were honored to sit and visit with Lauren, and we really appreciate the time she spent telling her story. I hope everyone enjoys it as much as we did. Here's our conversation with Lauren Mingi. Scott, Lauren, thank you for joining me today. We're going to jump right in. Scott, I'm going to kick it to you and let, let you introduce our guest. But Lauren, we, we once again, thank you for joining us. And I, I really look forward to this conversation. Yeah. Well, first of all, Lauren Mengi, CEO and founder of Contessa Marketing. I don't know Lauren terribly well, but she and I share a passion for an organization here locally, which is Remerge of Oklahoma County. I serve on the board there and I know Lauren uh, is a supporter, and which I'm grateful for. And I got to know her story uh, because of our interactions there. And it was one that I felt like was really appropriate for an At The Helm series. And I don't even want to begin to try and tell Lauren's story because I don't know it well enough. But Lauren, thank you for being with us. Thanks for making the time to come in. Start out and just tell us a little bit about your background, kind of personally, where you started, where you were born, all that kind of stuff. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I was born in Midwest City, so born and raised Midwest City and went to Christian Heritage, graduated there, kindergarten through senior year and went to UCO after that. And really, background, I mean, I, I was super involved in my church and community and involvement and things like that. Did tons of different missionary things with my church. And I always envisioned myself actually going into the mission field, which is just, I obviously completely went the opposite side of that. But that's just, you know, kind of me. I have mom and dad still married. They've been married for a really long time. And I have three siblings. You know, we're very, very close. Still have every Sunday we have lunch with my parents. So we had that this past Sunday and it's like 27 people with all of our kids and spouses. So it's a whole event every time we get together. But very close, very close to my family. And I am married to Leo. So we've been married three years. And then we have four kids together as well. And they're 12, 7, 7, and 6. So it's a full house. Yeah, well... I only have two, so I won't. I won't try to empathize with having four. <laughs> I have one for each hand, and that was my rule. So, um, <laughs> good luck to you there. Tell us about uh, the business. Tell us, give us kind of the background of what sort of led you to the business right up until the time you decided to start it. So, what was really interesting is if you would have told me twenty years ago I've been working with personal injury lawyers, I would have said, "What's a personal injury lawyer?" Right. And I yeah. have zero idea of what they did, but. What was interesting is in 08, when the economy crashed, I was at UCO and I was working at an AT&T store and a gentleman came in and he had a Moto Q and it was right when the iPhone came out. He wanted to turn that phone back in and get an iPhone. He didn't know how to use it. So I turned around and I taught him how to use it and I resold that phone to him. And he said, hey, listen, I'm looking for an assistant and uh we're going to go back and forth to Dallas. We're going to work with personal injury lawyers and help them with their TV commercials and kind of set up their law firm. And his brother was doing TV commercials for them. And I had no idea what that even consisted of. 
But what I heard was Dallas. And to me, like you knew you made it if you were in Dallas. So super young, I think, I mean, 21, getting offered a job, 40K a year. I mean, I, I was great. You're made at this point. I, I, yeah. I, I was done. I was retired, <laughs> right? So I told my parents and they were, they were very frustrated with me because mm. they were like, hey, listen, you have this corporate track with AT&T. You have a great job there. You could be a sales manager there. I'm like, yeah, I just feel called, right? So started working with him. And the idea was we're going to do these TV commercials for the attorneys, but also when the clients call in, we're going to help them get rental cars. And so that was the whole premise of it. Well, he started that and there was just no structure, no fun, no nothing. And that was the first time. I mean, it worked for about a year and then it stopped working. And so this was, I would go, I was going back and forth and the law firm, the law firm we were working with just, they did not work out very well. And so I moved back to Oklahoma and then, or not even moved back, but just stayed my time in Oklahoma. And then I started working with my dad. So my dad's a real estate appraiser. And so I got to do work with him and the goal was, hey, I'll just take over my dad's company. So did that. And then this entrepreneur, this guy came back and said, hey, listen, I now need an executive assistant. I've moved down to Dallas and we have now built this company that was doing TV commercials. And I think you can come in and be a great asset. Again, I just, I mean, I felt that calling to to go down. So I went down and actually my boyfriend at the time, he ended up going down there first to be an editor. And then, so he would edit the TV commercials. And then I got to go down there as an executive assistant and start picking up the attorneys like from the airport or from wherever, taking them back and forth. And then I just started to hear conversations. So they're sitting in the makeup chair before commercials and I'm hearing how they're talking to people. I'm hearing about their structure. I'm hearing about all these things and I just soaked it up. And about that time, probably a year in, SEO came about. And so it was like ranking everyone number one on Google. Right. Well, our attorneys were like, hey, listen, can you figure this out? They're talking to our company. And I was just an assistant at the time. And so I found a guy in LA and uh, we were paying him 50 grand a month. And I said, hey, guys, like if I could figure this out, can I get a portion of it? Right. Can I just figure it out myself? And if I figured it out, would you give me a portion of it? And they're like, yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) And so, and so what I did was I looked at the number one guy okay. and then I'm like, what did he do? And so I looked at what he did and then he was in a state we weren't in. So I just started replicating that model. And so I'm like, okay, this is how he did it. I reverse engineered it. And then I started applying it to one of our smaller clients. Well, next day they're like number one on Google. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've cracked it. Like that is it. Well, then the guys that I worked with, they're super sleazy, right? <laughs> and so they, you know, took all the credit, of course, did not hold right. up their end of the deal. But I stayed there and I stayed there for a really long time. Okay. And then I just moved up through the company. So just kept moving up, did the SEO for clients. The problem- what, what year did you start when you went back? Oh, man. Uh, I was 22. So 20 to then 22. So how old am I now? 36. So, yeah, I mean, I was there for... 22 up until my daughter was one. So she is seven now. So yeah, I mean, it's been six years out on my own. Okay. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, so from 22 until 30-ish. So you work your way up Yep. Yeah. based on what you were just saying to a decision point or or kind of a tipping point where you decide you're going to go out on your own? Long story short, pretty much what happened is, you know, I I learned a million ways not to run a company. That to me is kind of what I, I use it for that. And I mean, so much so that... Like, um, I was married before, and on my first marriage, like, before I'm supposed to get married, I got a call, and they're like, if you don't come back to Dallas tonight and help this, like, you're going to be fired. I mean, that was the kind of 
environment. I mean, it was psychotic. Yeah. So after I had Ruby, I was done. I was just, I once, I mean, once I had her and I was holding her, I was like, I don't want her in this. I don't want her in this environment. Like I want, and I finally understood why my parents had been like, you need to move back. This is not where you need to be. And uh, I mean, you know, shout out mom and dad, love them so much, right? right. They're super protective. But so I made the decision, I moved back from Dallas and one of my old clients said, hey, will you come and be our COO of our law firm? And so I used to fly back and forth for about six months, seven months to Newport Beach, which, I mean, you don't have to really twist my arm, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So I helped run his stuff and then I learned more and more about personal injury law firms, but it was super expensive flying out there. And so what I ended up doing was I asked him, hey, if I can turn these into leads and instead of running your law firm, you know, week on there, week here, what if I just stay here and hire talent here in Oklahoma? It's way cheaper. And then you don't have to pay for an apartment and a car and all that. And he's like, well, if you can do it, let's do it. And so he was my first client. And then, you know, first year in business, it just kind of went off like gangbusters. But pretty much what I did was, hey, I'll sell you leads. And we backed into it and it was $800 a lead. Okay. And it was, hey, listen, this was my, all of my expenses. And if I could sell like 20 of them, like I'm, I've made it, right? Like, again, that's that moment, right? Okay. I've made it. And so when I backed into that, then he told a friend and then a friend told a friend. And so before we know it, I mean, I have, you know, 20 employees and in first year and I have no idea. First year. First year. You went from yourself to 20. Yeah. I okay. mean, in a literally a room like this, maybe a little bit bigger, okay. like sardines is not even <laughs> a kind way because we couldn't find office space. A little frame of reference. This room that we're sitting in is probably 16 feet by eight feet. Yeah. Yeah. No exaggeration. I mean, my mom was like, is this like, are you going to get in trouble? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I have hey, Rachel, you're working in the top bunk today of, the, of this office space. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Rachel, I mean, but thank God they now yeah. we're in, I mean, like 8,000 square feet. We're, we just bought a, we're closing on a 71,000 square foot building to be oh able to grow. Goodness. So yeah, that's in six years. It's pretty nice. Is that building in Oklahoma City? Yeah, it okay. is. Yeah. We're trying to keep everything in Oklahoma City that we can. Good for you. I love hearing that. So first yeah. year, zero to, or well, one to, to mm -hmm. 20 mm -hmm. number of clients at this point or is it more just is it more just lead generation and I mean are you under contract with some of these firms as you're generating these leads how how did that happen yeah I mean trial by fire okay. you know I mean here here's the thing and this is what's really sad about it I don't know how I I'm not bankrupt I mean it's really by God's blessing let's just I mean like sure. I think I I tell people probably had his angels working on overtime a lot of times you know but what was really happening is I can tell you a million ways not to operate my company. And so we would hire people, we would bring in clients and the model was, Hey, I'll send you a lead. If it doesn't work out, I'll replace it. Well, unfortunately, some of these lawyers were not honest. They would refund it. They would still work the lead. Mm. And then I was having to give them another one. Well, our, I mean, there was no, we scaled. So we doubled or triple every year. So this year we'll end up with like hopefully 50 million, I think is where we're going to end. But last year we completely redid the model. And we said, hey, listen, instead of refunding and dealing with the back and forth on returns and the contention between clients, yeah. let's just lower the price. Let's be like Walmart. And so we discounted it like 40% and said no returns. And then since we did that, our profit margin went from 10% to 40. Mm. Crazy. Sure, you're, yeah. And it takes all the dis the incentive to create a mess from the client standpoint mm -hmm. to say that leads weren't real or whatever. Yeah. No, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I wish I would have thought of it, you know, a long time ago, hey, but trial um, by fire, like it you said. is, but we've been really blessed. But I mean, I think the big catalyst for the company was right before COVID, we were watching a sermon and it was about being generous. And, you know, I had always had a generous 
heart. Like that's just something that, like I just was born with. And my mom and dad were consistent with tithing and making us tithe. And we were listening to this message and I leaned over to my now husband and I said, hey, I just feel like we need to wait half our revenue. And he was like, We're, we don't make that much. Like, you can't give 50% of our revenue. I'm like, well, tell me what we can do. And he said, you can give away half of your profit. And so that very next month, COVID hit. Like, very next month. So we're it's losing clients. Works, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I know. So I'm sitting there breaking out in hives, writing this check, uh, wrote the check. And then three hours later, largest client calls us. Hey, I'm in L.A., our our legions have shut down in LA because of COVID because they they couldn't bring people in the office they didn't know what, so a lot of them went belly up and I've heard you can produce and I said yeah he's like well I need five hundred thousand dollars worth of leads and I I was like well, I mean uh, yeah totally can and my husband Leo's like we can't I'm like we'll figure it out yeah. like mm-hmm. just yeah got it totally does Leo work for the business yeah he okay. does so he came on when we met four years ago. We were both going through divorces and he was working at a hospital chain here and working their HR. And so I I was telling Rachel in the car, actually, you know, he can fire people and they'll thank him. And I have never been thanked for firing anyone. Like, it's just we are two completely different people. He's pretty amazing. But what he did is he brought structure. So when he met me, I was working 18 hours a day. I had someone who would come in in the morning and watch my daughter in the morning at 5 a.m. And then someone who would help put her to bed at night because I was having to work so much. So he came in and he hired all of our C-suite. And he's really what, you know, him along with that really kind of exploded our growth. Got it. He helped find the right people. Yeah, you kept alluding to it. And so I was starting to pick up the fact that he's there. He is. As a part of that decision process. Yes, I lured him over. I said, what's the, I mean, like, what's the point of working so hard if you don't get to enjoy, you know, like if we don't get to take trips and do all the things. So he heads our marketing department. He runs everything over there. As a lead generator, it sounds like you've got clients now all over the place. Yes. How many states would you say you have clients from? So we're in 14 states right now. Okay. And so our goal is this year or in the next six months to be in all 50 because now we have the right support and the right staff, the right VPs, everything, right structure. And so our goal is in the next six months to be in all 50 states. And then next year we'll end up doing probably 150 million. That's the goal. Moving okay. into all, all 50. That was awesome, Lauren. That's amazing. So cool. It's incredible. So where did the name come from? So Quintessa is a winery. Okay. And so for my 30th birthday, I went with my best friend. We decided to go to Napa. And so we went out there and one of the wineries that we had been recommended to was Quintessa. So we're at this winery at 830 in the morning on a wine tasting because that sounds like a perfect idea, right? And <laughs> Wine and eggs. Wine and eggs. <laughs> I had, I'm telling you. And so wine tasting at 830 and I'm hearing about their process and how in the 90s, when they came out with her bottle, they sold it higher than anyone else. Like they were selling for 180 a bottle. And people were like, you're never going to sell. It's not going to work. And then their stuff was just flying flying yeah. off the shelves. Yeah. And I had been told by the boss that I had told you I had worked for, he sent me and it keeps, stays on my desk. But it's a plaque that says my name, says Lauren Bond. And it's like, you won't last a year in business. Yeah. So that plaque still sits on my desk. Good for you. As yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. As it, as it should. Yeah, yeah. I know. If I could make it bigger, I probably would. But yeah, so I was there, decided to start it. And I leaned over to my friend like, hey, listen, I'm going to start my own company. And she's like, we need to eat. Like we are, we are wine tasting at 830. And the guy was like, hey, you can have a couple more glasses. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I got this great idea. And she's like, I love you, but let's get a burger and let's yeah. talk this out. <laughs> so like on and at In-N-Out in uh, San Francisco, you know, in Sonoma, Sitting there, like, writing out everything, you know, going through it all. So she still has the bottle of wine 
uh, you know, from yeah. when we first went there. And uh, so, yeah, she's saving it. So that's oh, pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. So who? how many competitors are in the space? How big a market is this? I mean, multi-billion. Okay. You know, as far as competitors in the space, everyone does lead gen. I mean, but what we do, what's different about us is, so we take a lead and then we verify it, but then we sign it up on the firm's retainer. So that's the difference. So we're not just giving you a name and a phone number. We're actually taking a step further and saying, hey, we've done a 50-step intake process for you and we've signed it up on your retainer. So now all you have to do is vet it and decide if it's a case, if it's not, and pretty much acting as their front of house. So as far as that goes, that final step, no one's really doing it. They, they try and then it's a lot to manage over a call center. And I think... Um, the reason why we're successful is we pay our people a ton of money mm. and I'm okay with it. I love it. I mean, I don't have a degree. So when I came back to Oklahoma, I couldn't even get hired from like Paycom because I didn't have a degree and mm. I had ran a company, but, um, so they make 18 an hour and the average person makes between an extra, I don't know, three to 7,000 extra a month in just from them signing retainers for these law firms. I see. So it's incentive comp on top of what they get paid on. Yep. Okay. Unlimited yeah. too. So if they, I mean, I'm still ready to, I'm hopefully, I bet either this month or next month, we need to see, it may be this month as a $10,000 check. I haven't written it yet, but I'm going to do like the big check, you know, the whole thing. Uh-huh. Like the, you know, that's yeah. what I'm excited about. Yeah. I have a, a client who, uh, for his salespeople, he has a car that sits out in the middle of the floor mm-hmm. and whoever the highest person is in sales for that quarter, well, they, they take the car out. Right. And mm-hmm. that's their car. I think for the next, I think for the next year, if I'm not mistaken, and he brings another car in for that quarter. And it's just funny because stuff like that really drives competitive forces. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be the one who drives the car out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be the one who gets the big check, you know, but I think it demonstrates that you're really trying to take care of your people and pay people for the value they're creating for the business, which a lot of people don't do. I mean, I think it's the stupidest thing that people don't do it because what's funny is we make more as a company. Like even if we we're just selfish about it, like we give away half our profit, but even people that don't understand that vision, because some people that are paid 18 an hour, they don't understand what it's like to give away. And that's fine. We encourage that to hopefully give away money and to be generous. The reason why we've been successful is like one, we, yes, we've been really blessed, but two, I mean, we try to overpay our employees, but we have a huge count, like culture of accountability. So if they're not working, they're held to high standards, they're gone. That's right. it. So, I mean, there is no lackadaisical, like we're very clear with them. On giving away half your profit, is that something that you talk about with your employees? Yeah, but what's really hard is they're 20-somethings and they're like going out to clubs and the bars. Like they, they're not at the church scene yet. Like maybe once they have a couple of kids and they're married, then they'll want to. Some kids, some people do. Some people that are a little bit older or things like that, like we've gotten to talk with them. And one of our managers told me that, you know, after he heard about our giving away half our profit, he tithes for the first time in a really long time or whatever you want to say, he just gave away money to the church. And uh, he said three hours later, I called him and gave him the amount that he had given times three. And he was like, so I continue to tithe. (laughs) So whether it's selfish or not, I don't, I mean, like, that's great though. Like, it's cool that we get to have that kind of impact. And that to me is what really matters. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. As you think about the business itself, what do you think the best part of the business is? You know, at the end of the day, we're helping people that have been turned down from other attorneys. And uh, that's near and dear to my heart. Because we want to take someone who's at the worst part of their, you know, when you're in an accident, your whole world's turned upside down. And a lot of people, this is lower 10% of people income wise, they can't afford not having a car or not having a check. You know, we get to extend an arm and, and give them help. So that was great to me on that part. On the other part with our employees, you know, people that were 
like one of our guys right now who's going to make an extra seven grand this month, he was at a still yard, right? He has no sales bone in his body. This guy's tatted from like neck, like all the way. I mean, he's got tattoos everywhere. And you would be like, this guy's not a sales guy. And he does phenomenal and he really cares about it. And so giving people opportunities that they would not have seen because they don't have a degree, you know, I mean, that to me is, it's just stupid that people can't have an opportunity because you don't have a piece of paper. Yeah. You you seem to hire based on people and culture mm -hmm. uh, over just a sheet of paper and qualifications. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I look at a resume, but I don't really care. Like anyone can put anything on paper right now. I mean, our VPs, like I want to talk to them, but yeah. We've explained to all of our managers, like, listen, you're going to give them first, second, third chance, right? You're going to give that. No, if someone's taking advantage, you got to get them out. Yeah. But some of these people, I'm like, they've never been given a chance. They come from, you know, single moms or single dads, or they don't know what it's like. And they've not been taught, like, what a bank account is or what credit cards are or how to save. These are things they have no idea. And so our managers are really investing in that side of it. Yeah, that's really cool. What about for you? What, is it, what do you think the best part about your job is today? It's obviously evolved very quickly from you cracking SEO to mm-hmm. now you're running, you know, a much larger organization. So what's your favorite part of it today? Well, I mean, I'm super competitive. So, I mean, I like beating out people. Like, that's probably the, the really exciting part, being on top. So that's exciting. My role, though, my husband and our CEO really pushed me out into the charity space. So that's how I got to get partnered with, like, Remerge. Those yeah. are the things I really like doing. Yeah. And that's the heart. That's a heartbeat, I feel like, of the company. So I've gotten more uh, involved in things like that. So that's been exciting to see and do. I mean, my head's just been kind of buried working for the last six years. So now I'm getting to actually see, you know, companies like this don't really exist. Like it is very unique. And so I've been able to help different females. Like we have a $100,000 thing out there right now, investment for different females in Oklahoma. And we've got like 17 applicants that we're going through and about to start processing. And that's the fun stuff. So if I can save one or two people from what I've gone through, I mean, I'm all about it. I'm game. So those are probably my favorite things right now. Yeah. Well, what, who you described in terms of the people that are coming to work for you and the advantages or the benefits to you of bringing people like that on. I mean, you're describing Remerge moms. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that. You've been there. You've toured the space and mm-hmm. met those folks. And I mean, these are people that, you know, society tried to write off and Remerge said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to help try to bring some order, some structure and some basic skills to these people's lives so they can advance a career and build from there. And when you see, if you go in and you see a mom and just quickly, those there's four phases of the program that these moms are put through. And I can walk into a room now, having been on the board a little, not quite a year yet, and I can tell you whether the mom in that room is phase one or phase four, mm. just by the way she holds her shoulders. And when you come in there and you see somebody whose shoulders are back and their head is up, you know that they've been built back with that confidence. And now it's about them going out and using that in the community. And it's so cool to see people deliver that, right? And Remerge is doing it, you're doing it, but those people need more opportunities than they're given. And you're right. To some extent, I mean, I have an advanced degree. That doesn't make me better than anybody else. I still have to go out and create value. And there's a lot of people who create more value than I do in a lot of spaces in this world that don't have anywhere near the amount of school that I have. So what does it really, I mean, how much difference does that really make? I think it's interesting. I do. And I think it's cool that you see it that way too. I think every person at some point in their life, they have a defining moment, right? They have a moment where, you know, I had something super tragic happen to me. And at one point I had made a lot of really bad decisions. And I mean, I was staying at the La Quinta Inn off I-40 and Sooner. Like I was with an abusive boyfriend and like this girl who was raised from CHA, right? Like knew everything, knew what I was supposed to do, made some bad decisions. And if I didn't have my mom and dad, I mean, I showed up at their doorstep, right? I mean, and if I didn't have my mom and dad to take me back in, I would have been, you know, in those same kind of situations because the people I was hanging, I was working at Chili's. 
right? Nothing wrong with Chili's, okay? I was a bartender there. But what I'm saying, some of the people that worked there, like, they were selling drugs from there. They were just doing things that you don't need to be a part of. And if I didn't have my mom and dad, like, take me out of that, and I still worked there, but, I mean, my mom was, like, dropping me off in her Mercedes. It was super embarrassing. But, like, and she's like, bye, honey. See you at four, you know? I mean, humbling. Sure. But, I mean, and, you know, I had, like, $2,000 in debt. And uh, my dad wouldn't pay off my loan sharks. That's what he calls them. So uh, he still calls me bandit every once in a while if he wants to, like, hold something over me. But what's great, though, is if I didn't That's have amazing. that, right, yeah. like, I, I mean, I would have been in the same situation. So just because I had parents, what if I didn't? That's mm-hmm. right. Well, that's the community aspect. Right. You can find that in jobs and culture. You can find that in actual family. You can find it in organizations like Remerge. There's a lot of places where you can create culture and community. But the people that you surround yourself with and the culture that you put yourself in does have a lot of impact on who you ultimately become. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tyler and I share an office with a lot of other really capable executives at our firm. And these people challenge. I mean, I get challenged every day. I hope I try and challenge other people to do things. And that just kind of goes round and round. And that happens for people if they have great family or, again, at Remerge, for example. But if you don't have that and you're not pushed in that way, it's amazing what you can fall into. And again, no disrespect to Chili's Bar Grill here. But to your point, there's a lot of that wrong culture in the restaurant space in particular. And you get sucked into that and you can't find your way out. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely difficult. So, yeah. Well, so tell us some of the challenges that you face today. As you think about, give us kind of the the challenges you see to get where you want the business to go. Mm-hmm. And you you obviously have a goal for next year, but think about further vision than that. Where do you think Quintessa is 10 years from now? And, and even, I'll chime in, even challenges you face as a as a female mm. running a business. Yeah. because I mean, I, you need a whole nother hour. <laughs> I know right you've written, looking. I know you, you have some commentary on, on that, yeah. um, but I'd love to, feel free to chime in on that as well. Okay. Well, I'll take the personal side first. I mean, my husband is literally godsend. I mean, he really, he's changed my world. And so let me start there. So for women that don't have a supportive husband, that has to be horrendous because, and there's everyone, you know, a lot of people go through divorces, but I felt completely alone and it, and it makes you really hardened. And when you're hardened, it takes away, you know, your softness as a woman, as a mother, And so you come across as just, you know, a witch, right? So, and you get a bad name. And so that was really hard. I think being a single mom with 20 employees, you know, pre-Leo, that was really difficult because I did not know, I mean, I didn't know what culture was. And if it, I mean, if we had it, it was bad, (laughs) right? So let's just throw that out there. I mean, I, again, but, you know, as a female, I think what's really hard, and I got to speak at an interim study is that, you know, the average daycare is thousand bucks, like a thousand to 2,200 a month. And it is insane to me how it's really hard to find good help. And then even these daycares that are out there, some of them aren't really good and they have a long waiting list. And then our minimum wage is 7.25, right? So as a woman in Oklahoma, I think that's hard. And I think we're making strides to make changes in that. But two, there's no mentorship. Okay. So uh, and unfortunately, this side of pers- personal injury is sleazy. Like, we'll just call it what it is. It's just sleazy. And so mentors, they didn't exist. And if they existed, they were trying to take advantage, right? And, uh, hey, fly out here and meet with me and I'll try and I'll definitely buy your product. Yeah, there was no, mm-hmm. no buying, like buying anything that Quintessa was doing. And so it was really hard to have a moral compass and to not be the girl that was like dressing scandalous or doing whatever that other girls were doing from Legion um, because I felt like I wanted to maintain 
my value and culture. So I think personally, there's that. And then as a, you know, as a mom, here's the hardest thing. It doesn't even take a village. I think it takes a whole workforce to keep my world going because I'm trying to take over and be, you know, one-stop shop for personal injury. And we're redefining the world. And we really are. And we're giving away millions of dollars to really great organizations. That's huge task, right? So there's that. But then I've also, like, I've got to be home today at 3.30 to do zombie cheer makeup, right? And if I am not home at 3.30, my girls do not care what I was doing. They care about me showing up. So it's a very balance of, like, how can I be mom? How can I be super mom? And then how can I also be super CEO and also, like, a fantastic wife, right? Like, so what I've decided is you can't do it all. And you just have to be really clear with everyone and setting expectations. Kids, they don't get it. So they get more grace than anybody, right? Like that's for us more the priority. But then also I set expectations with our employees. I'm like, listen, if I'm having to step in and do your work, I'm not doing my job. That means I'm doing your job. And, you know, can't happen because I've got other people I've got to work with and be there for. So I think personally that's a challenge. Challenge from a business side Barrier to entry, you know, here, it's really hard uh, to grow at, at the rate that we need to grow with being in Oklahoma. The, the lack of talent sometimes is really hard to find. Okay. So we're having to recruit from outside, which is sad, you know, to me that our state, you know, it was ranked the worst for women in Wallet Hub. So that was really disheartening for me to hear. So I think talent pool sometimes is hard to find. And then also, I mean, it was lack of space. Like we're Last year, we just moved into this spot and we are busting at the scenes. Like we are back to being sardines. Like we have 77 employees right now, 78, something like that. And our intake floor, like you walk on there and they are packed. So that's why we're buying the building. But it's also what's really, I think the, the hardest challenge I've ever seen was financially. I had no assets. So I had to take the loans, like you'll see them on the internet, like borrow 100, pay back 150 in six months, right? So there was at one point when we were growing so fast, I was paying $100,000 a month in debt service. Like, I mean, it was close to crippling. Wow. So I would say it was really difficult because I had to continue betting on myself when no one else would bet on me. Because, I mean, now these banks, of course, are coming back now. They're like, hey, how you been? I'm like, yeah, go fly a kite. I'm not not banking with you, right? (laughs) But what's interesting is seeing, though, now, I mean, it's made it a lot easier. But I think it's really hard for women starting, like, if you're going through divorce, or, you know, you, you decided, like for me, I decided to pay off all the debt. Like that was something that I had done with um, my ex-husband. And so I, I took everything on. Um, and it was so that he wouldn't have half my company. And so, like, this is still owned by me. No one else has a part of it. So I think, I, and I wish I had a woman that had done it, that had been successful, that would have been like, hey, Lauren, you got this. You know, I didn't have that. I had everyone saying, are you sure? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you're positive about this one? So um, I think, you know, I think the financial side, the mentorship side, and then the talent pool. Sometimes I think that's hard. Yeah. Are you thinking about things that you can do? I, I have a feeling that you are. Mm-hmm. How you can remedy that? Is that something else that at some point you see yourself wanting to be more involved in? Yeah. You know, what's funny is I feel like my husband's just super manipulative on this stuff because he, I think he knew exactly what was going to happen when he pushed me out into this world and seeing these different things. And so he's like, you can create so much good. And so now that I've become a part of the conversation, I'm talking with different senators. I'm like, well, hey, let's like, what can I do? Right. And they're like, well, so I'm like, money's not like, listen, we've got money. So like, that's not to me. Like, tell me what we can do. Like, what, what can we change? How can we drive change? So I'm starting to be more about those conversations. 
partnering with people like Remerge, you know, I've, I've talked to them like, hey, listen, like I've sent a couple emails. I want your people to work with us. There's, like there's no opportunity like there is at Quintessa and I want to give it to them. And so, you know, trying to create that sense of urgency. Sure. Knocking down doors, I feel like is kind of what we've been doing. But yeah, I mean, on the on the female side, I'm starting to get more involved and I'm not like I'm not a feminist like that's not like that's not where I'm at. It's sure. just, hey, listen, there's a lot of single moms here in Oklahoma. And instead of being, hey, I can't leave this relationship because it's abusive because he's the breadwinner or I can't if I make too much, then I lose my SNAP benefits or if I make too much, then I lose the DHS assistance for daycare. That to me should not even be like you like we had a girl tell us like, hey, I can't if I bonus X. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. So I sat down with her and I'm like, well, make 30 percent more and I mean, let me show you what that does in compounding. So uh, to me, I'm just trying to educate, you know, females on what they're capable of, because I feel like that's just not a big conversation that's happening right now. Well, there's an element of if, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as a father of two girls, I'm constantly putting women in front of them that I think I want them to see what they're doing. I want mm-hmm. them to learn and see you know, and we talk about that. And I think schools have changed a little bit that way too. I mean, I was really pleased when my kids came home and they were telling me all these, you know, women who'd done all these amazing things because that's what they were focused on when they looked at history. And I think for me now, I, I just have a different lens because I have two little girls. Did mm-hmm. I have that lens before? No. Mm-hmm. Is it more important to me now? Absolutely. Uh, so I think you being out there and saying that and encouraging other people. And I know, I mean, frankly, we both, our firm, we know a lot of really successful female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But they're all first generation successful people. And and that's a cool thing that we're witnessing happen. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so I think you're trying, we're trying to get more females together talking together. And that's, you know, that's what we're working on with different organizations. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we probably want to get to a story at some point, but before we do that, I'm curious. So to end all that, what do you see if you were to say in 10 years, this is what Quintessa is going to look like? What do you think the answer to that is? Well, there's interesting laws right now about you can be a non-attorney owner of a law firm. And so I think what's probably going to end up happening is that it'll end up turning into a law firm because it generates so many cases right now. We do like 2,900 retainers a month right now. So, I mean, 2,900 accepted cases in 14 states. So the largest law firms in the United States aren't even doing that many. Wow. So if we continue to grow at the rate that we're growing and these states continue to move into things like that, I think it would just move into a giant law firm. That would be one thing. I, uh, But also, too, I mean, we could end up, there's opportunities right now to where we can take the same lead and sell it to a body shop or a chiropractor. That's or, what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really kind of depends on what works, right? I mean, I could see it going 17 different ways, but my goal is for it to be a billion dollar company. And I think it absolutely can. You know, if we're only in 14 states and we're doing 50 million and even those 14 states, we're not maxed out there. What we've looked at it is if we had every single state filled and I mean, it should be like between two and 250 a a month. And if we did that, I mean, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. How many firms can you represent in any one area though? I mean, if so, how does that work if you've got a firm in, let's just say, Los Angeles that's mm-hmm. that's got you guys generating leads for them, and you get another firm who calls in from Los Angeles, can you represent both? Yes. For, okay. Yeah. So, because we, so for instance, not one firm normally has a million dollar budget, right? So, in LA, we do about a million dollars worth of leads. 
So what we do is, let's say someone comes in with 50 grand, then we go ahead and fill up his budget first and then move to the next guy. I see. And so we just rotate them out. And so they're on for two, three days and then move to the next one and then just keep going throughout. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, we love stories. I would love to know if you have kind of a favorite client story that you think exemplifies your business well Mm -hmm. um, or a favorite culture story you want to share just from your business. Oh, man. I would say favorite client story, kind of like the COVID thing that happened when we decided to change the model last year. I fired a client and that client was just a real piece of work, but he was spending a lot of money and it was another like I'm betting on myself like this is and he knew a lot of people and I had to decide hey I mean this is Christmas I'm like and I told my husband like I don't know if we're gonna be able to have Christmas like I've really I'm super nervous about this and he was like pray about it whatever you think I'll stay behind you so I called him and I fired him and of course like World War III engaged after that point but what was really cool is I kept praying for favor and I kept just reading books about you know like forward thinking and looking at what was going to come up with. And that's when the new model came up. And then right when the new model came up, our largest client now um, submitted something through Instagram. And I see his name and and I'm like, there's no way. And then I look him up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I talked to our sales guy. I'm like, did you talk to me? He's like, yeah, he's going to test out 25 grand. I'm like, no, listen, this guy is worth like billion. Like give me, give me a cell phone. So then we talk. And now, I mean, he spends close to $2 million a month with us. But I got to have that call with him, and they are scaling, you know, nationwide mm-hmm. with our with what we do. And they actually represented my aunt. And so my aunt was in an accident just three months ago, and she was a—she lives in Arizona. She was rear-ended by a guy who was coming home from uh, doing a chemotherapy, and he passed out behind the wheel. So he hit her on the highway going like 70 miles an hour and then she spun around and then he hit her again and their insurance, I think it was USA, called her and was like, hey, in the emergency room, hey, we'll give you 1500 bucks, pain and suffering, like settle. And she's like, Lauren, this is more money. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, like do not settle. Like let me handle this. And that law firm represented her and ended up getting her, ended up being a really great policy, but she ended up getting like 160000 in her pocket and she's now going to end up working for us. And she's like, I can relate. And so we've changed, you know, with working with them. So it's really cool seeing working with the right people, right? And when you bet on yourself again, you don't know how many other people you're going to end up affecting. So, yeah, that's probably, as of late, the better better story that I like. The authenticity of why you do something uh, for a living and why you do it for other people is really important. Uh, That's something we talk a lot about here in our culture is the authenticity of serving clients and why you do it and what what is your background? Because like I said, you can be terrible at this job and have all the credentials in the world. Mm -hmm. You have to have something that makes you really love it or makes you passionate about serving other people who are trying to, you know, benefit from your services or your expertise. And if you have people like that that can tell that story authentically, I mean, that's that's a great way to generate the trust of a person on the other end of a phone, right? If that's the way you're doing it, the way you are. So that's great. That's a great story. Uh-huh. Yeah. As we wrap up here, Lauren, you mentioned some, something at the beginning about how you thought you'd always go into the mission field or mm-hmm. do something on that path. Well, after listening to you talk, you are in the mission field and mm-hmm. you're doing your work where exactly where I believe, think it sounds like God wanted you to be. And then you have this redemption story of yourself that you're passing on to, to kind of what Scott was talking about. You can have this influence on on men and women that 
don't think they have a chance or mm-hmm. aren't being given a chance. So from my seat, I just commend all the work you are doing uh, oh, and the, the company you have built. Uh, but this is this was a, a fantastic discussion. So Well, and I'm going to tell you one more thing on that, just because okay. um, I feel like this would be really cool. And I think it goes to your point. I got to meet Bobby Greenwald from Version, who founded the Bible app. And his wife came in and really helped us on the financial side as far as just getting books in order and things like that. But whenever I heard about his mission to get the Bible in everyone's hands. He's been a big person. And what's funny is we now can track how much money we have given and how many translations that goes to. So what we know is that we're, like I'm doing more with the company now than what I could have ever done as a solo missionary or going anywhere, right? Sure. So like we are funding more translations and you know if someone has a phone, they have access now. And so, but what's really interesting is you know, 20 years ago, I would have had no idea that that's what was staying, you know, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get an international business degree, fly under a hedge under that, go into different. And so what's cool is through that and through these different meetings and being able to meet with, you know, Craig Rochelle and guys like that and guys who have really invested in me, it's been pretty cool seeing at the end of the day, like we know that this is what we were called to do. It's just, it was different than what I thought it was, right? You just had completely different. It always is. Yeah. It always is. Mm-hmm. Anything we left out, Scott, Lauren, anything you guys want to revisit? I, I I thought it was fantastic. No, I'm just grateful for your time. Thanks for yeah, coming in and thanks for having with us me. And sharing your story. It. It's a great one. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you both, Lauren. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please review and subscribe through your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.